Hi, everybody, and welcome to Dine with the Divine. I am your host, Ashley, and together we'll be exploring the magical, the mystical, the ancient, and everything in between. On today's episode, we're going to talk about some Appalachian superstitions and a really creepy story. I hope you're having a great day. So today we have a great guest. We have Victoria Rashke. So Victoria has written four novels in the Voice of the Dead series a and a companion recipe and spell book, Renegade Tea. The first novel in the Verity Green Art and Magic series will be released in November 2020. 23. She had she and her partner founded 1000 Vault Press in 2020 to publish the books they like to see in the world and together they record and produce the weekly Witch Lit podcast which Victoria hosts. She received a master's degree in English and creative writing from the University of Tennessee and then an associate's degree in culinary arts because it seemed like a good idea at the time. I love that. <laughs> How are you doing today, Victoria? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before. It was a headache day. The magic of a meal and some ibuprofen and caffeine, and I feel 100% better. So, Absolutely. Okay, so, so many questions. So the first question I have for you. So you host mm -hmm. the Witchlet podcast where you interview lots of different authors and people. What made you want to – obviously, you have a degree in English, which I'm sure is part of that, <laughs> and you're a writer – but what inspired you to even start your podcast in the first place? Two things. One was I just wanted an excuse to meet a lot of cool witchy authors. And yeah, that's why the I second do this was um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. The second was as a writer, like I find it really difficult to flog my books myself or flog me. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I had this idea that like I, I didn't really want to pay like the overlords of the internet, Amazon and Facebook ad money, unless I had to. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I really wanted to get to have something out there to promote my stuff. But really, it was let's do this all boat rises thing. And let's just talk mm -hmm. to other authors about their work. And I, I had a really early mentor who called it advertising through service. Okay, marketing through service to the community. Mm. And I really like that idea. I'm like, I don't talk about my books a lot on the podcast. I'm going to talk about writing, like my writing process and stuff, but I don't really talk about my books very often. It's really about the person who's on the show, but it gets my name out there. And if people yeah. listen to the show and they like my books and they want to buy them, that's great. If not, then hopefully they'll buy the guest book. So. Yeah. I recently have had a few authors on too and it's I don't know it's just cool I it's just so cool to see everybody's different perspective too like how people mm -hmm. look at things differently yeah I love that I love that it's awesome so you have a, a series called voices mm -hmm. of the dead series mm -hmm. so can you give us like a little generalization like what your books are about in yeah. that series yeah, so the I guess the tagline for the books is what if you find out you're the chosen one when you're in your 40s? But it's also a little bit of a love letter to Slovenia. I lived there and I did a year abroad in college and just fell in love with it. And it was like formative time for me to be there. And so I mm -hmm. always wanted to write a book about my year there, but I don't really want to write memoir. So the book isn't yeah. really about me. The series is not about me, but it, it pulls on a lot of the stuff that happened in the time that I was there. And it's about this woman, Joe, who's from Appalachia mm. and moves to Slovenia when she's teenager, late teenager, 1920, and encounters with the magical ensue much later. But she has a tea house with friends. It's a found family book. And then one of her many lovers is murdered. And that's the kickoff for the whole series. And okay. Slovenia is the crossroads of the Roman Empire. So there's a lot of layers of different kinds of worship from like early Slavic deities to Greek and Roman deities. Then so all of that kind of all that mythology and all that culture and all that stuff that's just been there hundreds and thousands of years of history kind of bubbles mm. up to the surface in magical ways. So yeah. Love it. Okay. That seems really cool. And then all these different things about like the history of Slovenia since you live there. And so obviously, and because of your podcast, you're obviously into the kind of witchy dimension of things. So how did you start with like your 
practice or how did you get to a place where you're practicing this kind of spirituality is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I don't know. I was always like a weird kid. Like I was always interested in supernatural and paranormal stuff. Like I, my family had one of those time life mysteries of the unknown series, (laughs) which I sometimes call my formative texts as a witch. (laughs) So I think I was always interested. And then, but I never really knew, like in high school, I grew up in very rural East Tennessee. So I never really knew that there were people practicing magic. My family did a lot of things that I didn't really know were magic that are that Mm -hmm. that other people didn't do, (laughs) just kind of folk. Folky stuff that they would n- mm-hmm. never have called magic or witchcraft, by the way. <laughs> and when I got to college, I met other people who were interested in this and got involved with a women's spirituality group that was heavily influenced by Diana Wickens. Okay. And mm-hmm. that was where it started, but it wasn't the stop for me because that's not how I'm bent. So that's <laughs> where it started. And then I, I've just been practicing for a long time by myself. And I... Spent a good chunk of probably my 30s when I was in the soup of just working and raising kids and stuff as an armchair witch. Like I just read a mm. ton of stuff and wasn't really practicing a lot. Mm-hmm. Hit my 40s, hit my stride. And I was like, mm, no, I'm back. I'm back. I'm yeah. doing this. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. I've always considered myself a witch. I just had a little spell there of not doing spells. Yeah, I think that makes ha- sense. Life happens, right? So you just get busy or you just do things a little differently than maybe you did them before, but it doesn't take away the essence of who you um, are and what you want to do. Yeah. 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 My son graduating from high school freed up a lot of my brain space. I'm sure. Just kind of, I'm still parenting. Obviously, you don't stop parenting when your kid yeah. graduates high school, but <laughs> you just... It's not an everyday thing like it was. Yeah. Okay. I love that. And thanks for sharing that with us. And we're going to move now to our dish of the week because we have something that it's going to take a minute to go through. So I'm like, let's get to it. Oh, fun. Okay. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited about the dish of the week. I was intrigued. So Yes. So we're going to do the dish of the week. And... Let's see. So what I'm going to just, I'm just going to talk about the couple dishes. Like we talked about in your bio, your Voices of the Dead series, you made a complimentary companion cookbook to it because the main character owns a punk cafe. Am I saying that right? A punk tea house. Yeah. A punk Punk tea tea house. house. Yes. Which is a pretty cool idea. And I'm going to put a link to the book and everything's in the show notes. I'm not going to read every single, every single recipe but all the obviously all the recipes are in the book but i'm just going to tell you four of my favorite things that i saw and i was like oh these are super super cute i really would eat all of these things so number one curry chicken salad sandwiches i love curry okay actually trader joe's makes a curry chicken salad it's pretty good it's obviously not like a fresh one but and it, <laughs> and chicken salad is not hard to make, so I'm just being lazy. But yeah, and Trader Joe's is there for a reason, though. Trader Joe's is for the time suck of modern life. So no yes. shame, no shame oh. in Trader Joe's. Thank you, Trader Joe's. Okay, this is a complete side note rant about how much I love Trader Joe's. Every <laughs> once a month, I go to Trader Joe's and I stock up on frozen food for all the times I don't want to cook. If I come home and I'm like, no, I'm not in the mood today or whatever happened, I'm like. I buy those. I keep them in the freezer. I use them throughout the month. And then every month I just restock. It's a good time. They also make those little cute quick meals. Trader mm-hmm. Joe's sponsoring me. And they have a really good low calorie lemonade that I love. It's 40 mm-hmm. calories per eight ounce. Whatever. Yeah. I, this, I'm just saying all this to say that I absolutely love Trader Joe's. It's one of the best things in the world to me. <laughs> anyway, so my other favorite thing I was like, okay, if I'm going to this tea house, what am I having? I'm obviously having every single type of tea, so I'm not going to go over all the types of tea because I love tea. I'm like, really, I, I really love tea. But I would, yes, I would love these burnt butter cupcakes with chocolate ganache frosting. I was like, yeah, I'll eat that. I, I'm not even really big into chocolate frosting, but this shit just sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and I... Chocolate cake is one of those things that I think is, it always looks amazing and half the time it's disappointing. It doesn't really taste like chocolate. Yeah. So these are like the cake is like yellow cake, but it's made with burnt butter. So you get all that toasty nuttiness from the burnt butter. And then it has basically just chocolate ganache on top. 
So it's Which like is, a cupcake with a truffle with a little bit of salt. <laughs> yeah, top. that's basically all I want in my life. So that's fine. And then the other thing I saw, which is like a soup, I guess, it's called vegetarian haria. Harira? Harira. Harira. Yeah. Yeah. I don't speak any Arabic languages or Arabic <laughs> dialects. So I'm probably saying it wrong too. But yeah, it's based on a North African soup. It's, I think, really commonly part of ramadan i think it's like either breakfast or like in the evening during ramadan so okay yeah it's one of the really characters is from algeria so that's why okay that makes a lot of sense okay, uh, okay. but those are my three favorite that i was going yeah. through the book and reading all the recipes oh and there was also a recipe for oh like the cloverleaf like, rolls the cloverleaf rolls yes that's the ones yeah. i really liked and I was like, I'm not going to write that down because I sound really basic, but like, <laughs> like those no. rolls sound good. Those rolls are like Proustian. I, mm. My sister made them when I was a kid, and that's okay. how I know them. Like in the book, her grandmother made them when she was a kid, but oh. my sister made them when I was a kid, and she made them in muffin tins, and you, you make the bread dough, and then you roll these three little balls and put them in the thing, and they're just drenched in butter, right? And they're like Ooh. basic bread dinner rolls. But there was just something so special about her taking the time to make them pretty and yes. you know all of that and just like the care that people put into cooking and that's really what it reminds me of and that connection to family cooking for you and family dinners and all of that so I don't think it's basic I think it's really special actually okay good because I was like these are rolls and like as much as I love a roll I'm like I can't just say roll <laughs> but I guess I can <laughs> I guess I can okay and I also really liked you have, oh, this spiced apple chutney. I really like mm -hmm. that one. And I'm not super into gazpacho because I'm not really into a cold soup. But this gazpacho mm -hmm. sounds like something I could eat. I really love the shortbread. There's also, oh, and it, and everybody who's listening, she also, in this book, Victoria puts like different kind of witchy recipes too for black salt, for a candle, different witch bells. So it's not just food in here. There's a lot of really awesome. Oh, the other one, smoked salmon tea sandwiches. That's the one I was really trying mm -hmm. to remember. I was like, oh, Ooh, that's, yeah. yeah, that yeah. sounds really good. Date fudge. Oh, the date fudge with walnuts and sesame. I would eat that like all over. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's really, this cookbook is really cute and there's so many good recipes in here. So Aww, thanks. yeah, this is really good. Everybody, I'm going to say, I'm going to put this in the show notes. Please check it out. It's really adorable. It's called the Renegade. It's the Voices of the Dead Companion Renegade Tea Cookbook. And it's really cute. So those are some of our different mm -hmm. foods that are dishes of the week for this week. So Next, I'm going to plug myself. So if you like this show, you are feel, feel free to go on all the socials and follow us on Dine with the Divine on Instagram and Dine with the Divine on Facebook. Please subscribe. The show is free. So subscribe on anything you listen to, whether it's Spotify, Apple. So you'll always get updates every week at thir on Thursday when we record. Our new episodes come out on Thursday. So you'll be able to get the episode. And if you really like the show, feel free to either pause now or when you're done, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to us because it finds other people. It helps other people find the show. I'm so sorry. I'm like so tired <laughs> and like my, I'm like not speaking properly. Also, you can give me a tip if you want. That's also in the show notes. If you want to give me a dollar or five or 10, feel free. You can click the link in the show notes. And if you have any questions or suggestions for episodes, comments, constructive critiques, feel free to email me at dinewiththedivinepod at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Okay, this is what I was super excited about. So we have our little tea time section where we're going to do something a little educational, a little tidbit or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So you are from Eastern Tennessee, right? You, you mentioned that yes. earlier. Mm -hmm. So I found this fun list of Appalachian superstitions. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> so you can tell me. Okay, so first of all, when I was like doing this episode in the notes, I was like, but what are we going to talk about? And you mentioned that you grew up in Appalachia. So mm -hmm. I was like, I want to have this. I was like, but I was like, I want to have a section of the show called what the fuck is going on at Appalachia? <laughs> because like, a lot, a, a lot. lot, because I always see TikToks of people like, don't go in the woods. If you hear your name, you don't hear it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what is happening? There's all these strange creatures. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I'm so nervous about like 
Southern Appalachia. Is everybody okay? <laughs> because there's this wampus cat that I was reading and I got oh, scared. the wampus cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I read about it and I got nervous. So I just stopped reading about it because I was scared. Yeah, my and sister then- used to scare my little brother and I with a wampus cat. <laughs> The Wampus Cat sounds horrifying. I'm so frightened. I had to get off like Appalachian TikTok because everybody's <laughs> scaring the shit out of me. I was just like, I'm so nervous. But and then they go like a lot of people have gone on like explanations like, oh, if you put together like Pangea and like a map of it, you can still see like back then, even then, the Appalachian Mountains were a thing. So they're like mm-hmm. one of the oldest mountain ranges in the world. So it makes sense that there's some weird shit going on there, but it's also horrifying. So, yeah. Yeah. I So we, we grew up with Wampus Cat, and then we also had a family. Like, this is the other thing about Appalachia that I don't hear people talk about as much, is mm-hmm. that every holler has its own stories. Every family has their own stories. So there are a lot of, like, cross-regional things, but mm-hmm. each family and each little neighborhood and holler and cranny in the woods mm-hmm. their own take on it or totally different stuff and so we had junior when i was growing up who was like half man or half deer and lived in the woods and dragged a leg because he'd been shot and we used to just be terrified as children <laughs> that junior was going to get us when we had to go outside to go to the basement at night to do the laundry no <laughs> not junior coming um, for you in the night okay so you just said a word that reminded me of something mm-hmm. real random so you just said holler right mm-hmm. okay so <laughs> the only reason i know what a holler is is because a long time ago and i cannot remember what the name of this show was there was a show on mtv and it was about a group of teenagers from west virginia and they all rode dirt bikes and very stereotypical things that people assume about people from West Virginia. (laughs) And this one guy was explaining like the hauler. He's this is my family's hauler. Like Mm -hmm. we all just live, like we all live in like less than a, we all live within 300 feet of each other. And he's, it's a hauler because if I need someone, I literally just holler. <laughs> I guess I, say, I never thought there. about that. I always thought it was just like a slangy way to say hollow. But oh, maybe he's right. Sense. Maybe it is holler in that way. That's funny. I never thought about that. Yeah, I don't know. That's what this random guy on this random MTV reality show said. Probably in the year 2004. But like, yeah, it's huh? true. A lot of families are like that. My, my family moved a lot my mom moved a lot when she was a kid she's from east tennessee but her dad just went up and they lived in panama city they lived in michigan back and forth one of those kind of they weren't Mm -hmm. in the military or anything they just really was following jobs because it was the depression right Mm -hmm. and then my dad's family is all from up north so we really didn't live close to a lot of family initially but we were like within driving distance always Mm -hmm. of like a lot of my mom's side of the family oh okay all right very neat These are some of the Appalachian superstitions that I found. And there's quite a bit of them. And I find some of them are very interesting. Okay. The first one here is never close a knife you didn't open. Or you'll have bad luck for seven years. I never heard it in seven years. Just that you would cut yourself with it. Oh, okay. That was more immediate bad luck. Was my understanding (laughs) of it. It was more immediate, not for seven years, but that was more immediate. Never close like a pocket knife or something. Never close if you didn't open. Yeah. Okay, so you'll have bad luck in within the next few minutes if you do it. Not maybe. Who knows? Probably from place to place. It's a different story. Obviously, these. I think it's also like a thing about possession. It's not your knife. Yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like in Appalachia. Everyone needs a knife because it's rough mm-hmm. out there and yeah. we're scared of the Wampus the Cat. Wampus cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Wampus Cat's coming for you, so you need your knife. Don't take anyone's yeah. knife. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, oh, by the way, again, I didn't write this down, but we're talking about the Wampus Cat. The Wampus Cat is apparently some te- like creature that is supposed mm-hmm. to live like a Bigfoot kind of situation. Yeah, and I think it's actually, I think a lot of it is from Cherokee folklore. There's some like shapeshifter stuff around it. Mm. So I think it's been adopted by like white Appalachian people, but I think Mm -hmm. it really is a lot older than that. Okay. Yes. Okay. So that is the Wampus Cat, everybody, that we Mm -hmm. keep going on about it. Fear the Wampus Cat. So then also, okay, the number two here is keep a penny in your washer. Okay. That one I have never heard. 
Yeah, I never. Okay, that's fine. Maybe it'll bring you money. I don't know. Maybe. Always go in the same door you came in. Yes, because then okay. you, you don't want your spirit to get separated. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm nervous. No. Except when someone dies, you don't take them through the front door if they die in the house because you don't want their spirit to find their way back. You take them out a window or a back door. Yes, I have heard that. And I also, in in Jamaica, there is mm-hmm. a, and I'm sure it may be in other islands too, but I know in Jamaica, some people after, if somebody dies in the house, when they, for not, I think it's nine days, I might be getting this completely wrong, hopefully I can find it, they rearrange the furniture. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because they don't want the spirit to come back and think it's in the same place and stay. They want the spirit to be confused and leave so that that person's spirit doesn't stay and goes. It's so funny to me how so many places come up on the same idea. They do it differently. I love that. I love that about like folk practice in general. So, yeah. Me too. That's what I love about it too. Cause it's, I always say, even, and I'm going off topic, I'll get back, but even like creation stories, a lot of the time, if you look at a lot of places around the world, the creation stories are very similar. There are so many cultures in the world that have a flood story. It's very interesting. So you think, okay, are these stories things people made up? Possibly. But I also think there has to be part of the story that was maybe mm-hmm. a little bit true. Because if yeah. everybody in this in the world is at one point there was a giant flood. And every, it was water everywhere. I'm like, at some point, there probably was water everywhere. Maybe it was a million years ago, but there's probably mm-hmm. a lot of water. Like, yeah. <laughs> everybody's saying it was there. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say, just on off topic, do we really think we're going to have two podcasters and not get off topic? Exactly. <laughs> That's like par for the course, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, this one I've heard, eat black eyed peas or collard greens with, mm-hmm. oh, I haven't heard this part, with hog jaw. Hog jaw, yeah. What's hog on, jaw? It's like the jaw bacon on pig, like the. Oh, that means duh! Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> it's like, fine. What's it's that? Fine. Like, yeah. Oh my god! No, it's yeah, like, okay. It's eat it on New Year's Day because the the black eyed peas and the collards like are coins and folding money, like represent coins and folding money. Oh. And the hogtail is like a rich dish. So it's basically to bring prosperity and luck in the new year. Okay. And again, that's one of those things that like all cultures have these New Year's yes. traditions around happiness, health, prosperity in the new year. And that's just this other one. We didn't really do that a lot growing up. I took on the mantle of eating black eyed peas personally when I moved out all the time. We do it sometimes, but my mom just wasn't a stickler for stuff. Mm-hmm. But including, and I think I tell this, I'm actually writing a book right now, and I think I tell this story in the book. So this will be a tiny preview. Is when I was married to my first husband, we were in Canada, and his friends invited us for New Year's Day, and they knew about this southern thing about eating black eyed peas. Mm. And so they searched in British Columbia <laughs> grocery stores trying to find a can of black eyed peas and couldn't. So they got this can of mixed beans that I think had thin black eyed peas in it. And we shared them. That was our New Year's Day black eyed peas. So well, that was very thoughtful of, of yeah, the so friends. Yeah. They did like eggs benedict and barbecued oysters <laughs> for New Year's Day, which sounds pretty good too. Yeah, so. that also sounds delicious. Okay. okay. Those are some nice friends. Okay. I've heard this one. Don't wash clothes on New Year's Day. Or you'll, this part, I don't know, or you'll wash a family member out. I've heard luck, like your luck for the year or your yes. wealth for the year. Don't take anything out of the house and don't wash on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. Also, don't do stuff on New Year's Day you don't want to do all year. Yeah, I've heard that too. So, yeah. Yeah. Don't do any canning or gardening on your period. Okay. I, okay. So I have heard this in my own family, like occasionally mm. – People would say you shouldn't do that because something it goes back to that women or people who menstruate are unclean when they're yes. bleeding, which is bullshit. Sorry. Yes. I don't no. know if I can curse on your show. Uh, you absolutely can say whatever um, you want. Fuck. But yeah. but yeah, it's I think it goes back to that. So there's some of that about it. And that the if you canned when you're on your period, then either it wouldn't set or everything would spoil. Mm-hmm. That kind of, which is, is just misogynistic garbage. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't truck with that one. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that one's a little silly, but that's okay. So then we have, yeah, and there's a lot of places around the world that do that with the period thing. 
Yeah. They're like, oh, you're in your period. You should not go yeah. anywhere and all that kind of stuff. But whatever. We don't believe in that. Plant your crops under a full moon. I feel like I've heard that mm-hmm. one before. Yeah. I think there's a lot of moon planting and harvesting and cutting your hair. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff with the moon. Yeah. I've heard, yeah, cut your hair only like under a full moon because then your hair will grow fuller. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I've heard that. Um, Let's see. Never, okay, never give a set of knives as a gift. And if you gift them to newlyweds, it will cut their love. Yes. So oh. there's a way to mitigate that, though. Okay. Is that with the knives, you give a penny and then they give it back to you to buy them from you. So oh. they're buying the knives from you. They weren't a gift. And because the other thing is that either the recipient will cut themselves with the knives mm-hmm. or you'll cut your relationship from them. Or for newlyweds, you'll cut their love between each other. So you give a penny with it and they buy them back from you. They buy oh, the knives from you. Okay. That's cute. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, weirdly, I used to work at Williams Sonoma, the fancy cookery store. Yeah, yeah. And when we wrapped knives for wedding gifts, we would we had a little card that had a penny glued to it that we would put in. So even Williams Sonoma thought it was a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's cute. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Never, I don't get that. No, this one's generic. This is a black cat one. We're not gonna, that's probably, <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that. Um, if you drop, oh, if you drop your fork, it means a woman is coming to visit. And if you drop a knife, a man is coming to visit. Mm-hmm. And if you drop both, a non binary person is coming to visit, right? Okay, I saying, yeah, I like that. I like the update. That's uh, my own personal update. Yeah, I'm I like, like that. Hey, but what if a non binary person's coming to my what house? A non-binary yeah. person coming, yeah. Yes. Or you drop a spoon or a spork. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. It's, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard that one not in my own family so much, but I have heard that one before. Okay. <laughs> okay. Run a chicken over your baby to keep it from getting chicken pox. That one I have never heard. Yeah. Okay. If it works, that's great, but I doubt it. Probably doesn't work, but would it be hilarious to watch a chicken run over a baby as long as the baby doesn't get hurt and the chicken isn't hurt? Yes, I would laugh. Yes, that would be amazing. Yeah, like yeah. I, I had chicken pox in the time before the chicken pox vaccine. Mm-hmm. Same. And we got him on Halloween. And then Ooh. I gave him to my brother. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I would say if you can prevent them, do because they're not any fun. No, I had so. chicken pox too. I never got vaccinated. I was I didn't have vaccines when I was that young but i remember getting chicken pox and like staying home and my dad was with me and he just like every couple hours lathered that pink calamine lotion on me and i laid like in a vest and shorts on my couch all day watching sesame street i think i was four and my friends would be like, can you come out? I'm like, no, guys, I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. I can't come yeah. out. Oh, Sorry. chicken pox are the worst. Plus oh. itching. They're just like itching. It's, it's just so oh, itchy. Yeah. And it's one of the few times I remember being sick when I was like, yes. I was sick all the time as a kid. I was just sick all the time. Mm-hmm. But chicken pox, I remember vividly. Yeah. And they just suck. I'm like, you can't do mm-hmm. anything to make it stop until it stops. It's annoying. Don't let a pregnant woman see a dead person or the birth or the baby will have a birthmark. I haven't heard it exactly like that. It's just that if a trauma happens to a pregnant person, that can be where the birthmark is on the baby. Like I yes. have heard that, but not a dead body specifically. But if something happens to you while you're pregnant, then that can be a birthmark on the baby. Yes. And I've also just like, I don't know why, but like in my family, I know it's don't let a pregnant woman at a funeral or around any death or dying or anything like that like mm-hmm. no pregnant woman should be around anybody who like in general probably it would came from like you're pregnant you should be around sick people yeah that right. makes sense but also it's do not let a pregnant woman near a dead body because like we fear for the baby's life i don't know it's like a yeah thing. i don't i don't really know and i wonder if there's like some sense of that like you said like contagion or yeah. if there's some like other reason, like I don't know. I thought that was funny because it's both ends of the cycle, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of liminality there, so maybe it's just thought to not be a good idea. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Um, where? Okay, this one, and I don't know if you know what this is. I don't know. Wear a buckeye in your bra to ward off rheumatism. Do you know what a buckeye is? Yeah, it's like a. It kind of is like a. 
chestnut, but they can't eat them. Okay. So it's a type of tree. And oh. the Buckeyes, you probably, I don't know, they're more common, I think, on the western side of the Appalachians. I'm not oh. sure. I would not swear to that. I don't know the range of the American Buckeye. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of stuff around Buckeyes. It's, mm. it's not as, they're not as common where I grew up, but I think there's a lot of stuff around them. Oh, okay. Hang a horseshoe upside down to keep good luck from running out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I've always seen ho- I don't under I never knew what horseshoes were. I always heard horseshoes are like good luck symbols, mm-hmm. but and I have seen people who put horseshoes like in their house, like mm-hmm. as like a decor like over the door. Yeah, over yeah. the door. But I never knew why. I just thought they must really mm-hmm. like horses. Like, and this person's really into horses. Yeah, I don't know. and I think there's like a lot of back and forth about which way you're supposed to hang the horseshoe yeah but i've always heard that you should hang it like so it's a u shape so it's holding the luck rather than a hill i guess i don't know how to describe what i want to say upside down (laughs) u that yeah and then the luck would run out right that's yeah something like that okay hold your i've heard this one Hold your breath when you pass the cemetery or you'll be the next to die. You, you don't need to do that. Don't hold your breath. Yeah, um. I don't think we – we always held our breath when we were kids, but it, I don't think it was that we were the next to die. It was more like – and I remember somebody in my family telling me to do this, but I don't remember who. But it was more like so that you didn't breathe in the spirits. Yeah, yeah. So it's more like a worry about being possessed than dying. Yeah, that's the way I so. had heard it, honestly. Not like you're yeah. going to die, but it was just like mm-hmm. – the spirits are everywhere, so just don't let them enter your body kind yeah. of situation. How do you go to a funeral? A graveside funeral, that's difficult. Yeah. You can't hold your breath the whole time. <laughs> Is it only when you're in a car that you need to be concerned? Because then you'll pass out, and now you're, you're, now you're taking attention away from the main character. Yeah. 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 It's not cool. Not, not cool. cool. Don't be the star of somebody else's funeral. <laughs> that's not cool at all. Yeah. yeah. You'll get to be the star yourself someday. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You'll get your turn. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, hold your feet up when you're crossing a railroad track or you'll lose your boyfriend. <laughs> I have heard that hold your feet up, but I don't think that was why we did it. I think it was like someone told me to do it when I was a kid and I just always did it. But I don't know why we did it. Specifically, it says you will lose your boyfriend. So if you're somebody who dates men, don't do this. You have you have to do it. Actually, you'll lose your boyfriend. There you go. Yeah. This is not great. If you're walking with someone, you have to go on the same side of a post or obstacle. Wait, if you're walking with someone, you have to go on the same side of a post or obstacle or it will break your friendship. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, so don't walk on either side of the tree or something. Yes. Okay. okay. I, that, that one's a new one for me. I've never heard that. All right, that's fine. Don't wash your clothes on Sunday. I feel like I've heard something similar to that. Mm -hmm. If your nose is itching, it means company is coming. Yeah. Okay. I've heard that one. Yeah. All right. Open this window when someone dies and cover the mirror so that their soul Mm -hmm. can leave. I've heard that. And that reminds me of I think that's very Victorian, too. I think that may have come over from England because I think that was also done in in the old country, as it were. Probably. And also, Victorians were really into mirrors. Victorians are weird people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were just, yeah. that was a weird time. Also, that's very, I know like Jewish people do that during like when they sit Shiva, they cover all the mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's, and they yeah. also open the windows to let the soul out and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Hang a mirror by the door to protect against evil. Okay. Oh, I've heard this one. I heard this on, again, Appalachian TikTok, which I have to stop going on because I scare myself all night. Um, (laughs) Never leave a rocking chair rocking or you will invite the spirits. Oh, yeah. That one I am familiar with. Yeah. Don't don't let a rocking chair rock by itself. Yeah. I'm not trying to invite any spirits, especially if I'm hanging out in Appalachia. I will tell you, if you have cats, though, it's going to happen. Sorry. Mm. (laughs) Cats are like, I don't, I'm not a cat person, but... Everyone I know is, so I have to deal with everyone else's cats. Um, like, And cats are the most, they're super smart, but they're also so mischievous and just always, try, I feel like they're always just trying to mess something up, start drama. <laughs> like, wherever they go, they're like, how can we start a problem? Yes. My theory is that cats were worshipped. And yeah. because of that, they think that 
they should have your undivided attention all the time. So when you <laughs> don't pay them attention, then they get into stuff. So yes. you pay attention. Because even bad attention is attention. Uh, hello. No, That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. So yeah. that is our Appalachian superstitions. Good that time. Had by all- yeah, it was a good time. And I learned so- new ones. That's exciting. Isn't it? <laughs> so now <laughs> we're going to tell a story. Now, I don't know how I came to the conclusion that I was going to tell this story, but this is a pretty messed up fairy tale, and I love a messed up fairy tale, and I haven't done one of these yet, and I was like, I'm with a writer, I'm with somebody who holds hosts a podcast about writing and literature and magic, so that's what we're going to do today. Let's do it. Let's yes. do it. I'm excited. Okay. Yes. We're going to tell a story all about magic and just some creepy stuff. I guess I feel like trigger warning for like dismemberment and some accidental cannibalism. No, Uh, this is quite the story. Okay, let's do it. All right, my dark little Scorpio heart is excited. (laughs) All right, so this story is from the classic Grimm's fairy tales. Grimm's and his brother—they were walking around the Black Forest and asking people about their tale so this is what happened so this story is called the juniper tree if you've never heard it it's quite a doozy so here we go so a long time ago there was this guy and his wife really wanted a baby so one day she was outside and she's walking around under the juniper tree and she's man i would love to have a baby and she was cutting an apple because i guess she was hungry and wanted to eat an apple so she cut herself and she bled a little bit and she's, oh, shit, I'm bleeding. But it was fine. So like, <laughs> this story's random in some parts. I'm like, <laughs> but it was fine. Well, blood, we were at blood sacrifice already. So <laughs> it's going to get good. <laughs> I never even thought of that. Um, <laughs> so she bled a little bit. Everything was fine. And then she, like, all of a sudden, she got really excited. And she's, I feel like I am going to have a baby. I feel like I'm manifesting this for myself. So we're like, yes, queen, keep manifesting. So then nine months goes by and seeing the juniper tree get green and she's seeing the seasons go by. She's also seeing herself get a little bigger. And she's, oh, crap, I'm pregnant. I'm so excited. But meanwhile, though, while she was pregnant, she was also getting sick. So she was sick. And then... When she had her baby, she told her husband, she's husband, I think I'm actually going to die and I'm really nervous. And he's, that's okay. I'm going to be super sad. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) He definitely didn't say that's okay. That's just me being like, that's okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) he He definitely was super upset about it. And then she died and it was so sad. So she died. Her husband was really sad. He mourned. He was taking care of his baby, but he loved his baby. And he's like, it's going to be fine. I'm going to make it through this. He did a lot of healing and a lot of um, inner grief work. And then he came out the other side and he was like, okay, I think I'm ready to get back in that dating pool. So he starts dating and he meets a lady and he really likes her and he decides to marry her. So he marries this new, his second wife, and they have a baby too and this baby girl's name is marjorie so now we're in wicked stepmother territory here we go we've got blood sacrifice wicked stepmother (laughs) this is like on course classic okay classic wicked stepmother yeah so she okay so the wicked exactly now you see why she's wicked the the stepmom loved her baby so so much but did not like the little boy who was the original the first wife's baby she's man if i could just get rid of this little boy like my life would be sweet i would have all the money for me and my daughter and this little boy would be out of our hair so she's thinking all these evil thoughts but whatever so one day the dad went to work and the little boy went to like school or something and she's home with her daughter and her daughter's hey mom can i have an apple and she's yeah sure but then the mom gets this terrible idea okay so she's, yeah, you can have an apple, but you can't have one until your brother comes home. And the little girl's, okay, fine, whatever. Day goes on. Little brother comes home from school. And his mom is, do you want an apple? And he's, yeah, that'd be great. So she opens this chest full of apples. And she's, oh, you can get one right in there. I have a whole bunch of apples in this chest. And he's, oh, sweet. So he reaches in to get the apple. And she slams the chest down on his head. 
and his head tumbles off. It says in the story, it tumbles off like one of the apples, okay? Now, little boy is dead and has no head, and this sucks. Now the mom is, oh shit, I didn't think past killing this kid. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> she's, she's evil, and she doesn't plan. No, she's not a planner. She realized in this moment, she did not think this out very well. Because she's, oh shit, my kid is in the house. My husband's about to come home from work. And his son's dead. So how am I going to explain this? So what she does is she takes a scarf. She puts on the boy's head by herself and then puts an apple in his hand and lays him against the trunk. I don't know why she did this part, but she goes and tells her daughter, oh, go ask your brother for an apple. I don't know what she was doing, but she did. And the little girl's like her other child. Grief. Oh, actually, you'll see why. Actually, I am I forgot. This is why. Go ask your brother for an apple. See, this shows how awful she is even more. And so she does. The little girl's, hey, bro, can I have an apple? And he doesn't say anything. And she's like, bro, bro. You know how little sisters could be. Bro. <laughs> she's probably just yelling at him. He doesn't answer. And all of a sudden, she pushes him because she's a little kid. She's, hey, you're not listening to me. His head tumbles off. She screams, oh my God. And then in I've comes the mom. my brother. <laughs> yes, exactly. So in comes the mom and she's like, what did you do? She's like, I don't know what I did. Oh my God. And she's like, Marjorie, you killed your brother. And Marjorie is losing it. She's so upset. Like she cannot believe what she's done. She feels terrible. The mom's, don't worry. I'm going to fix it. We're going to take his whole body and I'm going to handle this. What does his mom do? She cuts him up and she puts him in a soup. Okay? In a stew. Like you Me, do. Like, what? <laughs> I know. Like, I don't know why she thought this was, like, the smartest plan. But she cuts I mean, they live up. in the woods, right? Yeah. You could just bury him. But okay. She cuts him up and puts him in the soup. So then dad comes home. And he's, hey, fam. Hey, wife. Hey, Marjorie. And he's, but where's my son? And she's, oh, he came home. Funny that you ask, right? He came home and he's, I've got to go see my uncle. <laughs> the dad is, he went to go see his uncle and she's, yep, that's what he did. And that's what he said. And that's where he is. And she's, and the dad is, I know <laughs> the dad is, so he left and he didn't say anything to me about going, he didn't say bye. He, he wasn't going to wait till I got home. He wasn't going to tell me where he's going to go. This is a little boy. This is not a grown man. And the wife's, nope, he was insistent. I and let, let him go. Exactly. I, I let a probably 10-year-old boy go through the woods by himself. Yes, I did. <laughs> and so the dad was like upset because he's, what is happening? She's, it's fine. It's totally fine. Let's just eat dinner. I'm sure he'll be back soon. She serves. Everybody's eating the soup. The dad eats it. He's like, damn, the soup is good. I'm really enjoying this soup. Yes, he was scarfing it down. And the little girl is like sitting there not looking okay. And the dad's like, Marjorie, what's good? What's wrong? And she just is hysterical. Like Marjorie is hysterical because she knows what's going on and she feels terrible. The only smart person in the house clearly is Marjorie. Marjorie's the only good, the dad doesn't know, but Marjorie's the way better person than her mother. She's, I, and Marjorie's just, I can't even explain to you what's going on but i just have to tell you i'm sad and the dad's okay marjorie and she's i miss my brother (laughs) and he's okay i miss him too everything's gonna be fine meanwhile i forgot to tell you guys oh after dinner oh part of what happened too is there was bones in the soup and the dad would eat the bones and then i guess they would put them on the floor because this was like they didn't have a garbage can at this point after they put them on the floor and then after dinner the mom took the bones and she buried them in a handkerchief under the juniper tree okay so now our friend yeah which is stupid because our (laughs) okay the other thing too is the mom who died his mom She's also buried under the juniper tree. So they're both buried under the juniper tree now. And this is probably not a good idea for stepmom. But this is what happened. Okay. So now, she after she buried it under the juniper tree, it started to do weird shits, right? So <laughs> here in the book, it says it, it started clapping. It's The different branches looked like they were clapping together. 
and a cloud rose from the tree. And then in the cloud was a fire. And then in the flyer came out a bird, like a really beautiful bird. Okay, this is wild. So everyone's, what the hell is going on? But Marjorie sees all this and Marjorie all of a sudden felt really happy. She didn't know why, but she's like, oh my God, it's like my brother is like flying away. Marjorie is, oh my God, I feel better about this, even though this is still a crime. Even though murder has been committed and cannibalism, (laughs) I'm feeling a little better here because there was a firebird. There was a bird that came out of a fire, that came out of a cloud, that came out of a tree. So she's like, I feel happy. So then the bird, right? Now we're focusing on the bird. The family's at home. The bird's flying. The bird flies to a goldsmith's house and begins to sing a song. And this is the song that the bird sings. The bird says, I don't know the tune, but I'm just going to read the words. The Mm -hmm. bird said, it was my mother who murdered me. It was my father who ate me. It was my sister Marjorie who all my bones in pieces found them in a handkerchief she bound and laid them under the juniper tree. Hewitt, I cry. What a beautiful bird I am. All right. This is the part that I thought was almost funny because Mm -hmm. in this story, in multiple times, you're going to see this bird is singing this song. And all anybody can say is that bird is beautiful. Look at that beautiful bird singing. I'm like, is nobody listening to the words that this bird is singing? Or that a bird is singing words and not just, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just, oh, that beautiful bird. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys, he's singing. It's a beautiful bird that's singing about murder. And you can understand it. Is nobody intrigued by that part? <laughs> like, it's Early wild. German murder ballads. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. So it's hilarious. So. Then the goldsmith, so the goldsmith hears this song and the goldsmith, oh, hold on, bird, stay here. I have to go get my wife. So he goes and gets his wife and he's, wife, listen to the bird. And the bird is, I don't sing twice for nothing. And the goldsmith (laughs) says, pardon? (laughs) And he's, I don't sing twice. You have to give me something. And the goldsmith says, oh, okay, here's a gold chain. And he's, right. So, So the bird takes the gold chain and sings again for the wife of the uh, goldsmith and then flies away. <laughs> okay. One thing down. He's gotten a gold chain. Next, he goes to his shoemaker and he perches on the shoemaker's roof and he starts singing. He sings the same song. It was my fa- It was my mother who murdered me. It was my father who ate me. It was my sister Marjorie who all my bones and pieces found. Them in a handkerchief she bound and laid them under the juniper tree. Do it, I cry. Oh, what a beautiful bird I am. So the shoemaker did the same thing as the goldsmith. He heard and was like, oh, oh my God, what a beautiful song that this bird is singing. I'm completely ignoring that this bird is saying that his mom murdered him. It's not a problem. So the shoemakers, hold on, I have to go get my wife. So he goes and gets his wife and his wife, listen to the bird. And the bird is, once again, I sing this song one time every time. I need something, some payment. And the shoemakers, I don't really have a lot, but I can give you a piece of shoes. Like, not piece of shoes. What am I talking about? I can <laughs> give you a pair of shoes. Jesus Christ. It's a bird. So a piece of a shoe is probably more, <laughs> yeah, more understandable no. <laughs> than a pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but apparently this bird is also super strong. <laughs> so it just carries the shoes and a gold chain and everything. Now the bird sang again for the wife and flew away again. Okay. Now he went to a mill like to a miller's place where there's a millstone. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly know mm-hmm. what a millstone looks like, but I guess there's a bunch of mill it's a big heavy stone. Just know that. They're usually okay. like big brown stones with a hole in the middle, like that grind oh, okay. against each other to grind the wheat. Oh, okay, okay. So that makes sense for the rest of this. He goes to this mill, and there's a bunch of dudes working in the mill. And what does he do? The same thing. He starts singing different lyrics of the song. And with every line that he sings of the song, more p- workers are stopping to listen and be like, what's going on here? What ha- happened? <laughs> so they're like, oh, What a beautiful song. And then one of the birds was like, oh, hold on. 
Can you no, not one of the birds. One of the workers was like, Can you please sing that song again? We all want to listen to you sing. And the bird was like, Once again, <laughs> you're gonna have to give me something. I don't just sing around for free. And they were like, Okay, and they're looking around and he's the birds, I actually want that millstone. And they're like, You're a bird. <laughs> and he's I don't what care. What are you gonna do with the millstone? What are you gonna do with the millstone? And he's don't worry about it. I would like that millstone, please. And they were like, okay. So they're like, how do you want to carry this? And the bird was like, I'm gonna put it around my neck and then carry it that way. And they're like, okay. So they tie a string around the millstone, tie a string around his neck, and over they go. And he sings the song again. And then when he was done, he spread his wings and he starts to fly away. Now, where does he go? With the millstone around his neck. With the millstone, a pair of shoes, and a gold chain. This guy's a pimp or something. This is a pimp bird with new shoes, a gold chain, and a random stone in his pocket. Okay. The, <laughs> the bird goes back to its house. To the house of the scene of the crime, actually. The bird goes back to the scene of the crime. And is sitting outside the house of the dad and the mom and Marjorie. And starts singing its song about, let me remind you. It was like, it was a mother. It was my mother who murdered me. It was my father who ate me. It was my sister Marjorie who all my bones in pieces found. Them in a handkerchief she bound and laid them under the juniper tree. Kiwit, 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 I cry. Oh, what a beautiful bird I am. Okay, once again, nobody's paying attention to the lyrics. Papa over here is, damn, I love that bird. He's, I feel so good right now. <laughs> He's, I feel so happy. I feel so good about this bird. And Marjorie, too. Marjorie's, I love that bird. Actually, who was paying attention to the lyrics? Stepmama. Stepmom was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. I'm in trouble. This bird knows what I did. So, and now this time the bird didn't ask for money. It just kept singing. And stepmom was like, please get that bird to shut the hell up. And the dad is like, why? This bird is amazing and beautiful. And he's, I feel like I know this bird. And she's like, what? I just feel like I know this bird. The bird then flies in the house and puts around, puts the gold chain on the dad's neck. And she's like, he's, oh my God, thanks bird. And... The bird lays a pair of shoes at Marjorie's feet. So she has a new pair of shoes. And she's, oh my God, thanks bird. This is great. So then the wife, she gets so upset about this bird and how much she hates this bird. She goes outside and she tries to kill the bird. Okay. And she's like swatting at the bird. And then the bird takes off, takes the stone, snips like the string it's hanging from its neck. And it falls on the wife and splats her dead. Okay, she's right outside the house. So forgive me, but I forget how. Um, the bird somehow sets a fire. The whole house turns into smoke and the bird runs into the fire. Marjorie and dad are outside now, so they're safe. They're not dying, but their house is on fire. That kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so mom is dead. The house is on fire. Everyone's traumatized. Um, but then out of the smoke and dust and fire comes the original little boy. And he's, hey, guys. And the dad's, oh, my God. Thank God you're here. I'm so glad you're safe. And they all lived happily ever after. Not the stepmom because she's dead. She's dead, yeah. <laughs> but Marjorie. So, dead moms all around. <laughs> magical tree boy gets his revenge and comes back because he was magical to start with. <laughs> exactly. Magical tree boy is okay. Um, he's fine. And he has been resurrected. He's a phoenix, literally, who rises from the ashes, but as a boy and not a bird mm -hmm. anymore. So that is the juniper tree. One of the weirdest fairy tales that That's I know. Weird. Yeah. Also, I'm also waiting for like the wheel of morality. What is the moral of this story? Perhaps don't kill your stepchildren is a good place to start. Watch yourself under juniper trees. There's just there's some stuff to learn here, I think. There's like, so. I feel like in Grimm's fairy tales, and also I was talking about this in an episode too, like Arabian Nights, there's no like morality tale. It's just, this is what happened. It's fucking no. weird. 
And you're like, a whole lot of dead moms. A whole lot of dead moms. A lot of dead moms. Like everybody. And I guess because I one time I was like researching this because I was like, why is all why are all these moms dead? And I guess they were like, there was a high mortality rate back then. And like women, and because people, these stories come from typically like the more rural areas of well, Germany Mm -hmm. when the Grimms were looking for this story. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, in these areas, number one, if some, if the rate of death is, like, a lot higher in, like, the 17 and 1800s, right? And then number two, if you're a woman and you're a little older, maybe you have kids already, it's good to get a husband because you probably don't have a ton of wealth opportunities or ways to make money. Mm -hmm. And then there was always not a lot to eat. So, if you already had to raise somebody else's kids and your kids and be with your husband... And your food was sparse. You're probably thinking, I have to save mm-hmm. myself and, like, my biological children because you feel more indebted to them. So yeah. I guess that's part of what they say. And I would imagine – I don't know. I don't know the German inheritance laws. In England, there was primogenitor. So, like, the oldest mm-hmm. male got everything. So I don't like in, – in German inheritance, if, like, the firstborn children probably would have inherited and the stepchildren or later-born children might not have – Mm. too so it was there's when you're talking about murder there's always money and power involved right exactly so. and, the, <laughs> and we're definitely gonna have to do more Grimm's fairy tales there's so much murder in Grimm's fairy tales I always, I always find it amusing that they were so aptly named the Grimm brothers because <laughs> the stories are fucked like they're yeah. um, and I know most people know this now but it's like the fairy tales were never meant for kids they were adult entertainment. So that's mm-hmm. why they're so weird. And there's a lot of weird, there's even weird sex stuff. There's a lot of just gross, weird, even Blackbeard is a weird story. He just kills all his wives. That's weird. There's so many yeah. weird. Yeah, because it was meant to be stuff that you said around when everyone's finished dinner. What are we going to do till we go to bed? We're going to tell creepy ass stories. We didn't have so. television. So let's tell tell those stories. I think that's part of – honestly, I think that's why Appalachia is like it is too because parts of Appalachia weren't electrified until the 40s. Yeah. So they got electricity a lot later, so there wasn't television. (laughs) So those stories stayed alive a lot longer because they could tell them. Yes. And we talked about a little bit about granny women in a different episode. And we were just talking about Appalachia – Especially when the Scots-Irish people came and all mm-hmm. these different people. Yeah. Germans, when, too. And weirdly. The, yeah, Germans. Like, all these different groups of people, when they showed up, it's it wasn't like an easy terrain to live in. Um, no. A lot of them didn't – a lot of people didn't have a lot of money. And in the case of the granny women we talked about, like, a lot of that culture of these women kind of healers started mm-hmm. because, number one, a lot of doctors wouldn't make it all the way out there, like, in yep. these mountainous areas. And it cost a lot of money for these doctors to come, and a lot of people didn't have that. And I'm just saying all that to say that it wasn't an easy life. So even when you hear, I feel, and on another podcast, we also talked about murder ballads a little mm-hmm. bit. But yeah. it's, you're like, damn, why are these people talking about death? Because life was not easy and death was probably like, we might die tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah. like the murder ballads thing. I was reading this article today about like country music, the state of mm-hmm. country music right now. I'm not like a big country music fan, but I do Americana and like old country music. Mm-hmm. And murder ballads were so in that. And like these kind of poppy country songs of women who like kill their bad boyfriends and kill their husbands, the chicks Earl song and all that stuff. Those are basically reverse murder ballads. Like it, it's the same tradition, right? Yeah. Like in murder ballads, it's almost always women who are killed because mm-hmm. misogyny. But yeah. the shame about Earl, or I can't even remember what the name of the song is. But like oh, that, I know those, you're talking the Earl. Yeah, song. like those newer country music songs with women country singers singing about murdering bad boyfriends or whatever, or reverse murder ballads. Like yes. they're still with us in this other way. Yes. One of my favorite songs. What the hell is this song called? Oh, <laughs> there's a song by the Civil Wars called Oh Henry. And mm-hmm. it's the whole yeah. song is literally her basically threatening to kill her husband if he cheats on her. But it's an amazing song. I love yeah. that song. Yeah, I know. Some of them are great. I don't, if you're a Nick Cave fan, he has a whole album of murder ballads. Oh. They're 
they're eerie and dark and it's Nick Cave. So, yeah. But it's really, it's a great album. And a a lot of them are more like the English and Irish ones. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those made it to the U.S., to Appalachia, and just got the names changed and places changed. There's actually a really good one called Knoxville Girl that Dolly Parton recorded. Mm. It's a really good one. I got to check that. I don't, Nick Cave, you said? Okay. I got to check him out. I don't really know. But I like OAC. I don't really like country music, like at least modern country music, but I like folk music. Like I love, and I love listening to the words because you're like, damn, like this is (laughs) People are telling a story. Yeah, I think so much of that, like early, early country music, what was basically a blend of, especially the Appalachia in the South, was a blend of African music that Mm -hmm. from the people who had been enslaved, Mexican guitar, because that Mm. kind of come up from South America, and then the ballad tradition from Ireland and England and Western Europe all meshed. Yeah, And then when they started cutting records and they split it apart and there was like hillbilly country music and there was race records is what they called them that mm. kind of turned into R&B and rock and roll and then country music became what it did. Yeah. But I think a lot of people who are doing Americana now are back to the roots of this music and understand like the origins of a lot of this music. And mm. I don't know, it's just far more interesting to me than the top 40 stuff. The top 40. I've never been a top 40 country music person. Yeah, but there's such good stuff in there that's not stuff that gets played on the radio. It's so because good. Because it, it really is back to the roots of where this music came from. Yeah. So. If you and even okay, I'm not going to keep mentioning random songs, but I will. <laughs> there's on like even the soundtrack for Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh, God, that's such a great. Such oh, a good so soundtrack. Good. Yeah. There's this song called Oh Death. And it's just this yes. like, old man singing like about death and how he's just asking death to give him like another year but even just like this guy is uh, it's not like a singer it's just this Mm -hmm. old man singing and it's just so powerful when you listen to that song you're like damn like i could listen that song over and over again because it's just you listen to what he's saying you listen to what he's trying to explain it's just it's really awesome it's really cool yeah if you want to go down a rabbit hole yes based on this song (laughs) so during the Works Progress Administration, like the WPA, like when they got people to work in the Depression, mm. they sent all these people to Appalachia as song catchers to record these these old people in Appalachia singing these songs. And you can listen to them at the Library of Congress and the Smithsonian websites. You can go and listen to these song, these recordings. <gasps> it's, it, I have chills thinking about it because it's just really – it is amazing to hear these people. They they weren't great singers necessarily, but they held these songs with them. And there was something, oh, and I, I'm going to mess the story up because I source amnesia. But recently, and I'm just fascinated by this, and it also gave me chills when I thought about it. They, and you may have seen this in the news too, there was a family, and I want to say they're in the South somewhere, but I can't remember if they were in Georgia. Mm-hmm. But they had a song that they sang like their family saying, and it turns out that it's a song that actually came from Africa and had survived in their family. That was a song that women sang when they gave birth. Wow. And it is is like this kind of, it's mutated a little bit from the original language. And I can't remember if it was Yoruban or which African mm. language it was. But just that these songs survived in these pockets is amazing to me. Yeah. That's there, so I don't know. Cool. I just think there's really deep magic in that kind of stuff. Me too. I and you, I don't know. You feel what these people are saying, and I don't know. It's just. It's. I love it. I love all types mm-hmm. of folk music. It's so yeah. deep. It's. It's rooted in the culture and what mm. people were feeling at the time. It's so interesting. It's not manufactured to be catchy. Like it's. There's it, a. Re- it exists for a reason. It exists for a reason. So, yes, yeah. that's exactly part of it too. Yeah, it's not. Nobody was making these songs to like even like. Again, I'm going to reference Oh Brother, Art Thou because I really enjoy that movie. Um, (laughs) No, same, same. I love that movie. The soundtrack is great. It's so good. Even like the Soggy Bottom Boys, right? That's the group that they form in the movie. And even the song that is popular is called In Constant Sorrow. He's just talking about like, why he's so miserable and how he'll mm-hmm. never be able to get back to his ha- his home in Kentucky. And it's just like, yeah. and this is the most popular song and everyone's dancing to it. And you're just like, yeah, but it's a story. Yeah. It's so cool. Like yeah. Soggy Bottom. Well, and the whole movie <laughs> is based on the Odyssey, right? Yeah. Like, so there's like 
that song and the Odyssey story, like it all just blends together and you're like, we've been telling the same story for a really long for time. For a long time. And yeah. all this kind of stuff, it's just, oh, I just love it. It's so interesting. But I'm going to find all this stuff and try to put it in the show notes so everyone can yeah. listen to Yeah, oh my gosh, the show notes for this are going to be like a mile and a half Yeah, long. it's going to be a lot of show notes. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. But I do um, love that. I think that is one of the gifts of these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. I mean, just putting my podcaster hat on. Yeah. And, and when I listen to a podcast, I love it when people do put those in the notes because it's something that you hear and you're often listening when you can't make a note yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. I am yeah. all for show notes that link all the weird shit that gets covered in the conversation. Oh, I love linking weird shit. It's like the number one thing I love to do. Yeah. I'm going to try to find that stuff in the Library of Congress because that sounds amazing. But and mm-hmm. I'm probably going to post a link to Oh Death so everybody can just listen to it because it's a good song. It's a great song. Yes. Oh, God. I love it. I love that old man. He's so great. This has been an awesome, wonderful, amazing, fun conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much, Victoria. Thank so, you. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So just tell us where we can find you on the internet or where you would like to be found on the internet. Yeah. Obviously, you can listen to Witchlit on anywhere you listen to podcasts or from witchlitpod.com directly if you're not a podcast app person. You can find me and my writing stuff at victoriarashke.com or because Rashke is hard to spell, you can just go to readvictoria.com and it'll redirect. And Thousand Volt Press is our publishing company. I don't know when this is going to go out. We just had a book come out from Yvonne Abro called Changing Paths mm. that is about people coming from one religious path to the other. Specifically in their book, it's about like a high control evangelical Mm. kind of background into wicca okay and kind of the resources and because there's trauma and all that and resources and ways to navigate that experience Mm -hmm. and then we have another book coming out from other podcasters new world witchery Corey thomas hedgeson and lane fuller we are publishing their book conjuring the commonplace about drunk junk door magic and that'll be out later this summer oh nice okay yeah so a little podcast love all around there. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, there's going to be so many links in the show notes. I'll be, I'm going to put links to Victoria's Publishing Company. So everybody, if you want to check out those books, I know a lot of people talk about the trauma of changing religions and having to deal with, you know, what they've been through. So I think a lot of people will probably be really interested in that book. Yeah. Um, and, and Yvonne is such a... She's, they're just a great writer mm. and the book really has journal prompts and resources and just it's a wealth of things for people who are going through that or have been through it and maybe still recovering from okay. whatever the previous religion was yeah so. oh my god i love it okay this has been awesome so much fun we got to talk about murder ballads we got to talk about the juniper tree and appalachia this has just been awesome Yeah, this is super fun. So yeah, everybody, this is our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation. I know I sure did. And if you want to keep listening, make sure you're subscribed on wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give us a good five-star rating if you like it. And if you want to follow us on the socials, again, I'm at Dine with the Divine on Instagram. I'm Dine with the Divine on Facebook. And if you want to follow me, Ashley, I'm Sankofa. HS that's S-A-N-K-O-F-A-H-S on Instagram and I'm Sankofa Healing Sanctuary on Facebook and I hope to see you guys next week have a wonderful week until we meet again goodbye